Welcome to the audio ministry of Love Foundation Christian Center, a place to find God's love. Pastors Osage and Bridget Airboard teach the word with simplicity and truth. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message inspires and encourages you. Enjoy the message. Wisdom, revelation in the knowledge of you. The eyes of our understanding is enlightened. We give you praise for this service. I thank you because I'm anointed and your word is anointed. And people's life will be changed, yokes destroyed, burden removed. We are translated from one degree of glory to another. In Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Can you give me some more power on the other mic? Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Thank you. Thank you, Fresh Anointing. Thank you, instrumentalists. Hallelujah. Blessed be God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. So, if you are in the house of God, you should be excited. Glory to God. Hallelujah. (laughs) Yeah, if you are at home too, you can rejoice too. Glory to God. Wherever you are watching this from, just rejoice. Amen. Amen. God wants to rejoice. How often? Always. Always. Say rejoice in the Lord. Always. And again, I say rejoice. Now let's go to our favorite scripture this year. Isaiah 16. Last week we began to talk about glory to glory. From glory to glory. And I'm going to spend more time in that direction today. Um, God wants us to operate in the glory of God. The word glory is not something that we see much, hear much today, uh, because modern communication don't use such scriptural words. But some people do. Say it was a glorious service. Many people don't say it was a glorious party. They just say it was an amazing party. Praise God. They use more, more regular words. But glory is a very powerful word in scripture. And I think we want to press in to understand it and to operate in it. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Isaiah chapter number 60, we're starting from 1. The Bible tells, uh, the Spirit of God gave us that chapter this year, and we have been studying it almost every service. I have been reading, reading it almost every day, and each time I get new revelation. Amen. And I believe that that's the way the Word of God is loaded. The more you read it, the more you see. People think that if you read it once or twice, you have gotten it. That shows they have not even read it enough. The people who have read it many times know that the more you read it, the more you see in what you thought you already know. So uh, you want to read it the more. Praise God. So Isaiah 61, it says, Arise, shine. Turn to somebody and say, Arise. Arise. Shine. shine. Say it with a smile. Say, Arise. Shine. Shine. Tell the person, arise is an instruction. Say it's a verb. It asks you to do something. So ask the person, what are you doing? How are you rising? How are you arising? <laughs> Praise God. It says, arise, shine, for your, thy light is come. It says, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. He said, for behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory 
shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of the rising. Amen. <clears throat> I know I've spent a lot of time talking on this over and over again, but faith comes by what? By hearing and hearing by the word of God. So even though some things are repetitious, but it's necessary because um, because we have been so used to a particular way of living, sometimes when it's time to change, uh, people are not so quick to change. The word arise means to change. It means to change. It means you have to change the way you are living. You have to change your quality of life. Amen. It means there needs to be a metamorphosis. And this kind of change God wants us to have is the type that people can see. He says, arise. He said, shine. Because the word shine means to give light. It means to become an example. So if you are arising and you are shining and nobody is seeing you, there's a problem with that shine. Right? If you are rising and you are shining and you are hidden, you can't be seen. You're not giving light. Then you have not, you have not begun to fulfill what the scriptures is saying. If you are not operating in a level where people can, can see you and see the glory of God and recognize the glory of God, then you are not fulfilling what God is saying. And this is important because God says we are light. One of the things we have established over and over again that light doesn't really stand for itself. The purpose of light is to also give other people light. Somebody say amen. amen. The purpose of light is to help other people see. So if you are light and you are waiting for light before you can see, then you are, you, there's a problem. Right? The light is supposed to shine where? In darkness. In darkness. So when there is darkness, then you need light. When people are afraid and you join in the fear, are you shining? No, no, no. no. You say when we all are strong, then we will be strong. No, no, no. It's in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of fear, in the midst of worry, that light stands out. Right? right. Light begins to shine in darkness. So the very first verse says, Arise, shine, your light is come. And then it tells us what the light is. It said, The glory, the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Then it tells us what's going to be happening in the world. It said, Darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. He said, But the glory, come on, put it up, verse 2 and verse 3. He said, But the glory of the Lord would arise upon you. He said, but the Lord shall arise upon you and his glory shall be seen upon thee. So he's telling us that we are needed in a time of darkness. So what's darkness? We mentioned some of it last week. Darkness includes what? Sickness. Sickness is a kind of darkness. Now it doesn't mean that the person who is sick is evil. It just means that the person is being oppressed. There's a kind of influence of, of, the, of the spirit of darkness. Praise God. I know some people say, Pastor, are you saying I'm demon-possessed because I have a headache? I didn't say you are demon-possessed, but you are demon-oppressed. Now, people don't like that either. Now, don't, don't look at me with that tone of voice. The Bible says so. Praise God. You know, 
Peter said something to Jesus one time. He said, no, you're not going to go to Jerusalem. You're not going to be killed. Jesus turned and said, get behind me. Said He wasn't saying that Peter was the devil. Peter was only being influenced by the devil. A few verses later, earlier, he had said to, to Peter, you are the rock. Upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. So why Peter was, you know, received that as the rock, he let himself be influenced for a short time. And Jesus didn't spare that short time either. So get behind, get behind. Don't stay in front, get behind. Praise God. Because that's not the glory of God. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. You know, that's, this is not my topic today, but in the school of the word, we, we, we have to talk, we're going to talk about repentance and forgiveness. It's a major, major part of humility and grace. That's the next place we're going to. We're going to talk about that. And one of the areas we're going to have to talk about too when we are dealing with that is the place of correction. One of the major parts of humility is how you receive correction. And correction is required to change. People don't like to be corrected. And why do you think that is? Pride. Pride. It's pride. It's the flesh. And it's, it's difficult and painful to be corrected. The Bible says so. It's not easy. It's not easy. It's not easy to be corrected. The Bible says it's not pleasant at the time. But that is the way God says people are going to be changed to glory. You have Change means that you have to correct the wrong things you are doing. <clears throat> and if nobody tells you that what you are doing is wrong, guess what's going to happen? You're going to keep doing the wrong. And that's why the Bible says that those who correct, often times they love you more than those who placate. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. The Bible says that a father disciplines the child that he loves. That a child without discipline is a bastard. Even if he has two parents at home. Is this hard? But this is correction. Praise yeah. God. <laughs> so what am I saying today? The Bible says arise. And, and if we are going to shine, it means we are going to change. There are certain things we are going to have to let go. There are certain things we are going to have to leave behind. So that we can reveal the glory of God. And sometimes we need somebody to tell us. Change. Praise God. <laughs> Say, stop talking like that. That's unbelief. Praise God. Stop, stop, stop worrying. Money will come. Praise God. (laughs) People are losing their jobs. It is going to be a recession. Yeah, we know that. The Bible says darkness will cover the earth. But you are not part of the darkness. You are the light. How many of you know that in this place where thousands and now millions are filing for unemployment, some people are getting jobs? Yes. Praise God. Hallelujah. In my own house, people are getting jobs. Amen. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. So you don't, you don't have to partake of it. You don't have to. But if you think like the rest of the world, you will experience the same thing that the world is experiencing. So sometimes somebody needs to say, change, change. Don't look at that. Don't look at that. Don't focus on the news media. Focus on the word of God. 
How many of you know that in the days of the children of Israel, I'm still introducing the message, so just bear with me. Amen. Some of you have not been physically here for a while, so we need to get acquainted first. <laughs> in the days of the children of Israel, the Bible says that there were things that were happening in Egypt. In short, there was darkness, physical darkness. You can almost cut it with a knife. Then there was frogs and there was flea and all those kinds of things were happening. Guess what was happening in Goshen? They were having parties. Somebody said hallelujah. They were having fun. They were not partaking of it. They were in the same geographical area. So if you live in the borderline of Goshen and Egypt, you have a choice. You can either look at what's happening in Egypt and start wondering and crying like everybody else. Oh no, locusts has come and eaten all our, all our fun. Or you can turn around <laughs> and get into Goshen and, and you would remember that things are happening out there. And that's exactly what's happening in these last days. The world is like Egypt. There's suffering, there's pandemic, there's sickness. But here in the church, oh, like, hey! we, are in, we are in Goshen. It's like nothing like that is happening. We're exempt from it. We have a different kind of life. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. I say somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Verse 3 said, And the Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. So God wants us to shine so much that unbelievers will look at us and see God and come. It should be an attraction to the world. They should look at us and want to have what we have. Now if we are like them, if we suffer like them, if we are afraid like them, then there is no hope for the unbelievers. Some people say, you just want to stand up. The answer is yes. We are, we are standing up. You want to be different? Yes. We are different. We have been made different. The Bible says that you are not a mere man. He said if you, are, if you are quarreling, grumbling, and complaining like everybody else. He said, are you not acting like mere men? So Christians are not mere men. We are sons of God. Hallelujah. And we ought to think and act like that. And when you begin to act like that, the glory of God will be radiated from your life to others. People will see it and turn from darkness to light. So this is not just about us as individuals. We are not just trying to play church. This is not say, okay, let's see how tough we can be. No, no. God commands us to shine in darkness. To be the ones leading the world. To be the hope of the world. So that the world can see us and not be afraid. Amen. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. You know, we're going to keep massaging this until people catch it even more. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. I say hallelujah. I say hallelujah. I say hallelujah. Wow. Look like I need to do some more teaching in this area. I can, I'm not just talking about here. I can feel some, some heaviness in understanding in this area. One of the things we studied last week, we are still introducing to this message. We are still recapping. Last week, we read from 2 Corinthians 3.18. The Bible says, as you are looking into the mirror, it says you are being changed into the same glory from glory to glory. As you're looking into the mirror of God's word. It says that we should turn our eyes onto the mirror of God's word. And that's part of what we are going to be looking at today as well. And as we are looking at the glory, we are looking at the glory. 
We are looking at the glory. We are being changed into the same image. We are looking at the glory. We are changed into the same image. So, let me ask you this. If the Bible says what you are looking at is what you are going to be changed to become, what would you like to look at? The good or the bad or the ugly? Now, answer me, church. The good, the bad, or the ugly? Now, if you are looking at the good, what is going to happen to the good? You will now begin to change to that what you are saying. If you are looking at the bad, what is going to happen? You are going to begin to experience the bad. You know, one of the things God said, we mentioned part of this last week, about the ministers. You know, I was reading it again. Some people think God is discriminatory, but that's not what. He says, when you are selecting priests, he said, don't select a hunchback. It's there in scripture. He said, don't select someone who has a defect, one eye gone. He said, don't select such a person. He said, don't select anyone who has a, a, a notable sickness or disease. He said, and the people who are going out, dress them with all kinds of precious stuff. Why do you think he was doing that? Do you think God was discriminatory? No. Why? It was because he wanted somebody that they can look at and begin to be like. Because whatever they are looking at begins to affect their faith. So if they are going to believe God for healing, they need to be looking at somebody who is handsome like Pastor Saiki. Somebody say, hallelujah. Walking in divine health. It's a scriptural principle. It's a scriptural principle. I said it's a scriptural principle. So let me ask you this question. Who would you like to look at? Someone who has a face mask or someone who does not have one? No, I'm not saying you shouldn't wear a face mask. But if you want to become, you want to come out of a pandemic, who would you like to stand in front of? No people are angry with some people that some leaders are not wearing face masks. Why? I tell you why. The scripture says whatever you keep looking at is what we keep increasing. It's a scriptural principle. Now everybody may not understand it, but the word of God says you have to be careful who you are looking at. And God wants to set a perfect example of where he wants people to go, not where they are coming from. He wants to set an example where he wants people to go so that they can look at that because it's what you are looking at that your faith is able to receive. So God set someone that is different from others. Amen. Hallelujah. Pastor, you're preaching great. Hallelujah. Preach it. Continue. Yes, you are. <laughs> I know, I know. Some people, some, some people don't like it, but I'm going to keep teaching the word of God. But many people like it, though. Yes. Do you like the word? Yes. I said, do you love the word of God? Yes. All right, let's stay in uh, uh, Isaiah 60. Let's move around to a few more verses, and then we'll talk about the part that God wants us to, to share today. Let's go to verse 18. He said, the son shall be no more thy light. He said, I repeat, the sun shall be no more thy light by day. Neither for brightness shall the moon give, thee, give light unto thee. But the Lord shall be an everlasting light 
and thy, thy God, thy glory. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Then he says, verse 20, Thy sun shall no more go down, neither shall thy moon withdraw thyself, for the Lord shall be thy everlasting light, and the days of thy mourning shall be ended. Amen. Let me put it this way. If God is your light, when will you ever have darkness? He said, the Lord shall be your everlasting light. He said, because of that, your, your light will never go down. You will never have nights. If God is your light, you will never have a down day. Because God never withdraws. Now, we'll have enough time to look at it. When God created the lights in the beginning, he said, let there be light. Let it be for night and for day and for sun and moon. But if you read Revelation 21, let's go there, let's go there. The difference between heaven and earth is because in heaven, the Bible says God is the light. Yes. Do you know that there's no night in heaven? No. There's no night. You say, do people sleep? If they want to, you don't need night to sleep. You'll never be tired to sleep. You can stay awake for 20 years and be doing good stuff. Your body doesn't wear out. It doesn't have fatigue. Somebody say, Hallelujah! Because there is eternal, there is more power to give life and there is no power to diminish it. So it stays away. And there is no night in heaven. No night. Why? Because the Bible says that in heaven, sun is not the light. It said God is the light. So one of the differences between heaven and earth is not with that we change geographical location. It's that we change our light. Somebody say hallelujah. When God becomes your light, you begin to leave heaven on earth because your light will never go down. Because the, the difference between heaven and earth, one of the major differences is that God is the light in heaven. Revelation 21. Let's, let me look, let's look at it. I'm sure some people would like to see that. So if you want to begin to leave heaven on earth, just make God your light. Someone say Hallelujah. And that's what we're talking about today. Verse 20. Revelations 21 verse 20. And I saw no temple daring, for the Lord Almighty and the lamp are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the lamp is the light thereof. Somebody say hallelujah. And all the nations of them which are Save shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth shall bring their glory and honor into it. So in heaven, God is the light. I say in heaven, God is the light. So we don't look for the sunlight. We look for the God light. <laughs> the, the glory of God is so powerful, so bright, that you don't need sunlight. And here in Isaiah, the Bible is telling us that even here on earth, we can begin to enjoy such glory because the Lord can become your light. What does it mean for the Lord to become your light? The Lord becomes the reason for your living. The, the Lord becomes what tells you what is right. What does light do? Light is able to allow you to see. You can tell what is real. If God is your light, it means that you see by the power of the Spirit of God. You are not judging by natural sight. 
You're not looking by natural light. You're looking according to the light of God's word. And when you look through God's word, you never have nights. What are nights? You never have down days. Because the light of God never goes down. You know, 2,000 years ago, the Bible says, he by himself bore our sin on his body on the cross. And he bore also our sickness on his body. And the Bible says, by his stripes, he said, we were what? We were healed. 1 Peter 2.24. Now, that is light. The word of God is light. Has that word ever changed? Is there a time when the Bible says, you know, because of this pandemic, that healing is suspended? We are in the darkness of sickness. This light of healing is no longer shining. Is there any time like that? So if somebody begins to partake of a pandemic, it means that the light of the word has not become his light. He's looking at something else. Because if the word of God is your light, the word of God will always remain the same. And you will experience heaven here on earth where there is no darkness at all. And that's why you have to keep your eyes on him. He said, let God be your light. Turn to the word of God. Don't wait for anybody else to tell you what's going on around you. Turn to the word of God. If you turn to the environment, you will find darkness. Because the Bible says the earth will be in darkness. You turn to the word of God. The word of God that says, my God supplies all your needs. Has it ever changed? Is it still shining? So if you are looking at that word, can you ever be broke? No. So if there is a temporal shortage, you say, no, I'm not operating in this. God says, he supplies all of my needs, and you begin to rejoice at the word of God as someone who has found great spoil. And that word will work for you. Somebody say, hallelujah. And sometimes you don't even know it has already worked. But the people was giving a testimony, you know, rejoicing, thanking God, declaring we are coming out richer than we entered. And we didn't even know that money has entered into accounts. Some of you don't even know you have money. Go and check your account. Some people are going to check their accounts when they leave. Check all their accounts. Plus their PayPal account that they have never spent. Go check everything. Money somewhere waiting for you. Because the word of God will find a way to happen to you when you believe it. But you have to keep your eyes on the word of God. You have to keep your eye because the word of God is your light. He said, arise, shine, your light is calm. What is that light? God and his word. Let's go to St. John chapter number one. Let's go quickly. Hallelujah. So the glory of God is God shining. The word glory means the excellence, the beauty. You know, sometimes when you buy diamonds, like I've bought for my wife many times. Praise God. Hallelujah. The size keeps increasing. Amen. <laughs> Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Is that scriptural? Yes, the Bible says that you go from what? From glory <laughs> to glory. They tell you when you go and buy it that if you want to keep this diamond shining, you have to polish it all the time, right? Yeah. To keep it shining. Amen. You have to keep looking at it. You have to keep removing the dirt. So that it will look, look nice. The word of God, if you stay in it and you keep polishing yourself and your eyes with God's word, you'll shine as light. You'll shine. 
verse 1, St. John chapter number 1, verse 1. The Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. It says, all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shined in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. So what the Bible is saying here is this light cannot be extinguished by darkness. It continues to shine even where there is darkness. And this light is the word of God. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. In the word of God there is life, and this life is the light of the word. So when God says, arise, shine, he says, your light is come. One of the things he's also saying is that the word of God has come to you. So the word of God, when the word of God comes to you, you should not remain in the same spot. You should arise. You should get up from, from, from oppression, from the, put Isaiah 60 verse 1 in the Amplified Classic Edition. Let's, let's look at it there. You should get up from it. You know, one of the stories we know in scripture, the Bible talks about blind Bartimaeus. He was blind, couldn't see. Couldn't see anything. I'm not just talking about legally blind. He was fully blind. Praise God. You know, they have what they call legally blind here. That means you may not be fully blind, but you just can't see enough uh, to transact your business legally. <laughs> That's my explanation. <laughs> so people have to make to, to guide you around. But this guy was fully blind. <laughs> was fully blind, and the Bible says that he heard that Jesus was healing the sick. And while he was coming, he began to shout, Son of David, have mercy on me, Son of David. And people tried to quiet him down, say, shh, shh, you're disturbing the mass. The Bible said he lifted his voice even louder, and they couldn't stop him. And then Jesus Christ said, who is that? Come here. And the Bible said he cast off his coat and rose up and ran to Jesus. What about if he has stayed there and let people say, shh, shh, don't talk about that. No, don't, you have to be politically correct. Yeah. He would have stayed blind and he would have been oppressed. But when he heard the light, he, he rose up. He began to change his disposition. Here in Isaiah 60 verse 1, he said, Arise from the depression and the prostration in which circumstances has kept you. Somebody say, hallelujah. Some people are prostrate. And they are depressed because of circumstances. So God knows you are going through challenges. God knows that things are tough. God knows that there are things happening out in the city and in the nation. He said, but don't let those things bend you over. He says, sit up. Stand up. Hallelujah. Raise up your head. Somebody say, hallelujah. Yeah. I say, somebody say, hallelujah. Say, I'm coming out of this better than I enter. You have to begin to say those things. And when you are saying those things, you don't see any way that it looks it's going to happen. That's why the Bible says you walk by faith and not by sight. If you are waiting to see it before you start saying it, then it's too late. Because by the time you see it, it's probably too late. So the way to see it is to raise up your head even when there is no way. No way. No way to pay your bill. You say, Bill, you are paid off in Jesus. You are paid off. You are nothing before the Lord. I'm so rich. I'm going to pay you and buy something else. Somebody say, Hallelujah. You're talking to your bills. That's the way you arrive. 
That's the way you arrive. If you see the bill and say, oh, 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 oh. I thought. That's, that, that's, that's what the Bible is addressing here. He said, don't let it depress you. You know, we are hearing the same things. I just choose not to listen to many of them. Right? right? Yeah, yeah. If you don't know it, CNN comes to my television too. <laughs> and other news channels, like, you know, MSNBC, they come. <laughs> and now they even try to give you on the internet. I just don't spend my time looking at those things much. Because if I do, I would join the rest of the world in panic. Some people are home, they're hiding under their chairs at home. <laughs> Praise God. And they don't know that sometimes when some of these things happen, the enemy wants to hide some people at home so that other people will go about and make all the money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you the truth. I just read in the newspaper. I read, sorry, in the internet. I was sharing with my children on Friday. In this time of pandemic, the PG County, I can quote it, it's on paper, they gave a contract of $12.3 million for people to go and buy equipment from South Korea for this pandemic. And when they brought the equipment, it was unusable because they didn't bring it with all the parts. $12.3 million was spent in the last couple of days. And the, 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 the contracts were approved in less than 24 hours. So people who are contractors right now, they're hiding at home. Others are making millions. Wow. So arise! Hallelujah! Get out of hiding. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. And go get your money. Hallelujah. And get all the things you need to get. Praise God. Glory. You know the Bible doesn't pro, pro, it does not provide anything for the fearful. The Bible has no provision for the fearful. In short, the only provision the Bible has for us in Revelation, <laughs> it said the fearful will have their part in the lake of fire that burns with so What? That's the only provision the Bible has for the fearful. So you cannot be so afraid God will just give you money or heal your body. There's no way. There's no way. So you have to come out of it. Somebody say hallelujah. And that's why you need to hang out with people like us. Somebody say hey. Well, it looks like we are oh, you are recklessly dangerous. Yes, against the devil. Hallelujah. That's right. Our faith is, 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 is extreme faith. And the reason why is that we are endeavoring to help people out of fear. Because we know that fear is what is robbing people. The Bible says Jesus went to Nazareth and he could not do many miracles because of their unbelief. He was incapacitated to help them. There were many sick folks, but Jesus couldn't heal them. So you have to arise from, from the oppression and prostration in which circumstances has kept you. Should I say it into this language? <laughs> Come out from the lockdown. <laughs> in which circumstances have kept you? Come out! Amen. <laughs> some will say, but you're speaking against some, some government. The people who are telling you to lock down, they are in lockdown. 
Let's go to the world, Jerry. If they would lock down, if the government would stand. Now, they need to say what they have to say to help the best way they know. That's what they know. That's what they are following. But we who know the word of God, we have to stand in what we believe and help people the way we know to help them. If you go to a doctor, he won't, he won't, most of them who are not born again, they won't take the scripture and start oil, anointing you with oil. So why will you come to me and I start giving you uh, flu shots? That's not my profession. If you need flu shots, where do you go to? You go to CVS. Praise God. Now, if you want an anointing to be healed that can do better than a flu shot, where do you come to? You come to the church of the living God. And we won't give you flu shots. We just lay hands on you and give you communion and you go and you live in perfect health. That's what we are here for. No, some people say, Pastor, you don't understand. You have, to, you have to teach people that if they come, this is a flu shot and send them to take. That's not our position as a church. Yes. We are here as the pillar and the foundation of truth to teach people the word of God and bring healing in supernatural ways by the word of God and by the Holy Ghost. Thank God for those who God has called to help those who don't believe by giving them medicines. But we are the church of the living God. We have to arise beyond the natural kind of living into supernatural living. Say loud amen. You know, those of you who are here, you have to say loud enough for those who are not here. I say, say loud, amen. amen. Hey. The Bible says, God loves a, a shout. Somebody say, hallelujah. hallelujah. So when the Bible says, arise, he understands that there are situations out there. Again, Isaiah 60, he said, arise from the depression and the prostration in which circumstances has kept you. He said, rise up to a new life. Shine. Be radiant with the glory of the Lord. For your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. So he's saying that if you are going to operate in this, you have to receive light from God. And it's God's glory, God's glory, God's radiance, God's wealth, God's power, God's wisdom that shall be seen upon you. Somebody say hallelujah. You know, when Pastor B was teaching in the women's program, he talked about, she talked about transformed in the realm of the spirit. He says, we are already transformed. Somebody say, hallelujah. hallelujah. Somebody say, you are already transformed. Once you are born again, you are a new creature. You are created in the image and likeness of God. You know, that word likeness, I don't even know if I like using it much today. I like to use the word isness. They are created in the eastness of God. Hallelujah. The Bible says, as he is, so am I. You know, he said, like, it's say, you know, something can be like something, but it's not exactly the same. Hallelujah. Right? right? Praise God. Glory to God. You know, even the fake looks like the real one. Yes. If you look at the fake $2 uh, or fake $20 bill, there's $2 bills, just that people don't spend time to do that. If you look at a fake $20 bill, it looks like the real one. If you don't know very well, it's in the image of the real one. Just some things are missing. Yes. And some people are like God. Just some things are missing. <laughs> but what God created us to be is to be in his easiness. <laughs> to be God. as he is. So are we in this world. So we have been transformed. You know, we were created 
to reveal the glory of God. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. When God created us, the reason is because he wanted to demonstrate his glory. That's the same thing Pastor V was sharing when talking about we are his master plan, master, master uh, work, masterpiece. That's the word, the masterpiece. Because the reason for a masterpiece is to demonstrate the quality of the, pre, of the one who did the masterpiece. Yes. So you look at the masterpiece and say, wow, that guy is a good artist. Now if you look at him, you may not know he's a good artist. But when you look at his work, you say, wow. You look at the architectural work of someone, you say, that's a great architect. That's a great builder. So his masterpiece is a demonstration of his wisdom. And so the Bible says we are God's masterpiece. We are, we are God's finished work. We are God's glory. We are supposed to reveal the glory. The Bible says that we are supposed to reveal to principalities and powers the manifold wisdom of God. God is supposed to boast about us. Hallelujah. It says, we see it in Job. God says, Satan, come here, come here, come here. Look at Job. Job was demonstrating the glory of God. So God was revealing his glory, his wealth, his wisdom through Job. And God says that's what we are here for. We are supposed to be demonstrators of the glory of God. So when God is saying arise, shine, it's not just about you. God wants to reveal his glory. God wants people to see you and then see God and say, God is good. Your God must be rich. Your God must be kind. Your God must be... How did he take you from that situation and put you on top? Somebody say hallelujah. That's all. Then if you read the whole testament, that's what it is about. Bible says that after Joseph interpreted the dream and he said, put someone who is wise to rule this nation. The king said, who is wise, wiser than this guy that has the spirit of God? If his God revealed this thing to him, this God is the right person to rule this nation. It was not his intellect that caused him to reign. It was the glory of God. The wisdom of God. So in this day, God is saying we need to arise. We need to change. We need to begin to reveal the glory of God. We need to see that this is not about us. We are going to have to reveal God's wealth. Let me ask you, how rich is God? If God wants to demonstrate his wealth through you, how much money do you think he has to you need to have to, for him to say, look, yes, that's a demonstration of my glory. Now, you can see why you cannot settle for change. Because if you settle for change, you are saying that that's the glory of God. This is how rich is God. Rich is, this is how rich our God is. This is how much God can do. Hundred dollars. Now, you can start from there. You can be in the tens and go to the hundreds. But if you want to reveal the glory of God, God wants you to be the richest. I know people think this is materialism, but it's not. Look at the scripture. The Bible says Job was the richest man in the east. It's written in the scripture. God made him the richest. The Bible says Solomon is the richest king that has ever existed. God made him that rich because God wanted to reveal his glory through Solomon. So if you want to demonstrate the glory of God, you have to believe God for more. You have to believe God for more. You have to believe God for enough that people will envy you. And they will come to church just because you drove past them. I know, I know. People are getting there. I'm working on this thing. 
I'm working on this thing. Shaka Matalatoya. What attracted the nations to Egypt, Israel, most of them, look at the other time. The most time people came to visit Israel was in the time of Solomon. It was not just the temple and the sacrifice. Thank God for those things. Those were where the things started from. But it was the wealth, the order, the organization, the majesty. If you land one kind of property, people will drive into it. They won't know why they're coming there. They just want to come and see it. That's the kind of glory. That's what God wants the church to be. Not the one waiting and hanging behind and giving leftovers. We are the head and not the tail. We have to demonstrate the glory of God. And it has to start from an individual revelation and a commitment. I'm going to be what God says I am. I'm going to reveal his glory. I'm going to shine forth his beauty. I'm going to let people see how good God is. How beautiful God is. That's why when you wake up, you brush your teeth and comb your hair and make up and, and, and rub some cream on your face. Somebody say hallelujah. Because you are showing for the glory of God. <laughs> right? You are the temple of God. You need to look good. All the time. All the time. We had a, a funny comedian in one of our dinners said that many sisters... When they are getting, uh, before they get married, they dress all night. <laughs> and after they get married, they turn to thriller. <laughs> I didn't crack the joke. I'm just reminding you. <laughs> so you shouldn't. You should, you should be look, looking good all the time. As best as you can. Men too, right? Men too. Don't sit down watching television and you have, you have a football on your lap. Praise God. You know, people think I've got it natural. This is the glory of God. This is showing forth the glory of God. People should see you and say, wow. What's your name? It's not only poor things people run from. Not financially poor. The other kind of poverty too. Right? I said, right? Is God beautiful? God is beautiful. God shines. I said God shines. So should you be shining? Somebody should say, look, you are shining today. When when Sister Anita came and said, you are shining today, you are shining. Even if we off the light, there still be light in this place. (laughs) You're supposed to be shining. You're supposed to be shining. Praise God. So when you dress up, dress nice. Right? Look nice. It's the glory of God. You know, people think glory just means some spooky smoke. No, no. It means things people can see and they appreciate. Say, that's nice. That's nice. I told you when, I bought, when we got our car, our neighbor had not spoken to them for a long time. We are not friends. When they saw the car, they came near my door and said, is this your new car? I said, yes. He said, they went to bring rags. Say, look, let me show you how to polish it. They were helping me wash my car. I'm telling you. You think if it was a recurry car, they would have... He should have said, don't bring it near my compound. That's smoky car. No, but the glory, the glory, the glory of God. The glory of God attracted my neighbor. The glory of God. And I gave him a car. He said, he said what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a pastor. I gave him my... <laughs> he said, one of them said, I'm coming to the church. I'm coming to the church. 
I'm sure he's thinking, if your, if your God can do this to you, I need to save that girl. <laughs> Glory is what people can see. Glory is what unbelievers can appreciate. Not just Christians. Unbelievers can appreciate the glory of God. And that's why we need to arise from the depression, the discouragement, and the hiding that religion tries to help make Christians and begin to receive the light of revelation and begin to shine the glory of God. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of God. So we we establish again, the Bible says, the way to, to change is to keep looking. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 3. So it's not just by struggling. So I'm going to say, Pastor, I hear you, but I've been struggling to make different change. But nothing has changed. When I struggle, I, I get I get a raise, the bills increase. Anytime I make more money, the devourer comes and steals it. So how am I going to be able to operate in this glory? The pastor is difficult. You don't understand. You are living in the United States. Here in the country we are living, if you are some people outside the world, it's not like that. It's not like that here. It's not like that. They don't give stimulus package in this country. <laughs> if you are broke, you are broke. You can't buy anything on credit. But does the word of God work in every nation? Yeah, it doesn't matter. God knows where you're living and he has plans. He has, he has opportunities to take you to the top. Second Corinthians chapter number 3. The Bible says again from verse 17. He said, now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. 18. He said, but we all, how many of us? We all, we all with open face, beholding us in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. We are with open face, beholding us in a glass, the glory of the Lord. We are with open face, beholding us in a glass, the glory of the Lord, are being changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of God. So how are we going to change? Is by looking at the glory in a glass. Now, one of the things I mentioned last week is that there are two parts of this transformation. The first part is the inward man, which happens when we are born again. The interesting thing is that once you are born again, you are made perfect in God's sight. You are redeemed. Somebody say, hallelujah. Hallelujah. You have a nature that is without sin. Your spirit is not a sinner. That's why you are not a sinner. Somebody say, hallelujah. Say, but he committed a sin yesterday. That does not make him a sinner still. Because he's born again, his sin has been removed. It was not the sin that made him a sinner. He was born like that. Now that he's born again, he's born righteous. But can you continue in sin that grace may abound? God says, God forbid. Because if you keep doing it, it gets to a point where you can be transformed again. You can die again. Bible says you can. Praise God. So you don't play with it because just the same way someone can be translated from darkness to light, it can also happen in the reverse by the same laws. The same law of what you believe. Bible says that if you believe, you will be saved. What about if you don't believe? If you used to believe and say, I don't believe anymore, what will happen? 
you have, you have removed yourself. The Bible says you can crucify again to yourself the Son of God and trample on the blood by which you were redeemed. He said when you get to that point, there is no more sacrifice for sin. It's in Hebrews chapter 10. So the Bible says that there is a spiritual reality, but there is also a physical manifestation of that spiritual reality. And the way to bring it to the physical manifestation is to fix your eyes on the spiritual reality, not on the things that are going around. It's just you have to take your eyes from everything else. Because the things that begin to show up in your life as visible are the things that you keep looking at. And that's what the Bible says here. It says, we all with open face, verse 18, beholding as in the mirror the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image. So it's not talking about being born again here. It's talking about being transformed to begin to manifest the glory that we have already been made in Christ Jesus. Amen. That means that what you keep looking at you are going to change to be like it. That's a very important law. I wish I can just say this a thousand times in a minute so that you can get it. What you keep looking at. And it's not just talking about physical looking. That's part of it. It's talking about what you focus your mind. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, uh, 4, 4, it said the God of this world blinds the minds of those who don't see it. They don't believe it. They can't see it. They can't understand that we are free from the sickness and disease and poverty. Their minds are blinded. The Bible says when they are reading the Old Testament, they still a veil. Some people just don't get it. They can't see it because their minds are blinded. But one way to begin to see it is to keep looking, to keep looking, to keep looking, to keep looking. And if you look long enough and intently enough, you will see it. You will see it. But you have to keep it before your eyes. That's why it's important that we are looking at the right thing. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. And the devil knows that, so he does everything to distract us. Wants us to look at sickness and disease and say, don't you see the numbers are rising. So become afraid. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. But you have to take your eyes from that and look at the word of God. The word of God says he was wounded for your transgression, bruised for your iniquity. The chastisement of your peace was laid upon him. By his stripes you were healed. The Bible says, I will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from your midst. He said, none of these diseases that comes upon the Gentiles without allowed to come upon you. These are scriptures. You keep your eyes on it. You keep your eyes on it. You keep, your, you keep looking at it. And then if you want to look at folks, don't look at the ones who are saying, oh, you need to be, you need to be careful. You need to... Take your eyes off those people because if you keep looking at that, what they are saying careful is actually fear. They are trying to propagate fear in disguise of care. It's the same thing. Bible says, be careful for what? Nothing. Nothing. My mom used to say, be careful. I said, no, I'm not careful. Say what? I said, I'm in control. So when I'm traveling, he says, take control. He used to say, take care. I said, the Bible says, be careful for nothing. So I have no care. I've casted all my cares upon the Lord. So she got it after a while. She said it a couple of times, a couple of weeks, a couple of months, maybe even years. Take care. I would say, no, I don't take care. Say it again. Take care. I said, no, I don't take care. Say, be careful. I said, I'm not going to be careful. No, it was like, <laughs> it was not rude, but she knew I was talking from the scripture. I said, no, mommy, Bible says be careful for nothing. He said, okay, be careful. And I said, Bible says be careful for nothing. So I'm not going to be careful. She said, so what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to take charge. 
So after a while, when I was going out, she's a sick child. Say, yes, mom. Praise God. And she joined the church. Somebody say, hallelujah. And I used to travel in the night because I was too busy during the day. <laughs> and streets were dangerous. I'm talking about it. I remember one time I knocked at my sister's place, Sister Rowena, probably like 2 a.m. in the night. So where are you coming from? So I'm coming from Benicity. He said, at this time, say, don't you ever travel in the day? I said, I'm preaching in the day. <laughs> night is the time I, I have to travel. And he said, there are bandits on the road. I said, I know. When they see me, they have to flee because I have angels. Somebody said, hallelujah. Now, I wasn't doing it out of just being rascal, rascally and just being careless. No, I was busy. Sometimes I have a program that ends, I preach in the evening, that ends at 7, and I have a program in the morning in another city. So what do I do? I have to, to preach my program and then travel through the night. I just don't sleep all day and say I'm going to travel at night in a dangerous place. That's dumb dumb, right? Yeah, that's dumb dumb. Your angel will still be sleeping when you leave. Thought you, you were sleeping here. Where did you leave? <laughs> but you have to do what you are called to do and fear not. So many people are afraid. Interesting enough, one time, Pastor Pella, we used to do this together. You may be watching this, I don't know. Um, we used to take a lot of risk. Some of them I don't need to take anymore. Praise God. I said, Praise the Lord. We have more people preaching the gospel. You need to take a lot of risk. One day he came to visit me, came like I did, came in the night from Lagos. He said, let me show you something. I said, what? He took me outside, showed me bullet holes in his car. I said, what? He said, bandit stopped him. He said, when he slowed down, he looked at them. He said, God didn't tell me to stop, so I zoomed up. And they opened fire. One bullet passed through his door, just escaped him. Did we get afraid? No, we thank God. Hallelujah. So you are actual dodger. We rejoice. And he finished his program. It's his program drop back again. No fear. With bullet holes. Some people, that will be the end. No driving again. They will make a vow. I will never travel in the night till Jesus comes. What they have not realized is that the devil has stolen their faith by reason of circumstances. We had a lot of interesting situations. Yeah, I won't tell you the part when we had some breakdowns in the night. We had some. We had some breakdowns. Car broke down like 1 a.m. in the night. We couldn't see each other. It was too dark. So, where are you? <laughs> Looking for someone to take us to our next stop. But does, did that stop us? We are not afraid. Just continue. We're doing God's work. You can't be afraid and enjoy the glory of God. Someone say, Hallelujah! Hallelujah. So, taking the right kind of risk is, is a part of faith. But my point today, however, is that we have to fix our eyes on the right things. If you keep looking at the fearful, you're looking at the sad, you're looking at the discouraged, you will never find courage. Right? If you are sad, what kind of people should you want to hang out with? Joyful, Joyful folks. Some people look for sad people like them so that they can have a pity party. you never come out of sadness. So if you are feeling discouraged, what do you do? Call your friend that is excited. Call Sister Margaret. I said, talk to me, Margaret, on the phone. Margaret is always excited. Praise God. If you are watching and you are hearing loud voices, I can tell you who that is. She's always excited. And that's a good thing. Most of the time, praise God. <laughs> she doesn't need a microphone. 
So if you are discouraged, depressed, don't go look for another depressed, discouraged person and say, what are you doing today? How do you feel? Let us talk about God. <laughs> you will come out more depressed. Look for someone who is excited. Say, how are you doing? When, you're, when she's talking, your phone is shaking. Say, how are you doing? <laughs> you shake up all of that discouragement and depression out. Amen. Look at someone who is declaring the glory of God. That's why if you are if you are broke, don't hang out with broke folk. You said, but the rich folks won't hang to hang out like me. Yeah. So try to change. Polish your shoe. Wear some perfume. Look nice. And then go hang out with them. Somebody say hallelujah. Look at even if you can hang out with them physically, look at them with things the way you can. Don't go to broke channels. Do you know that there's a channel called Wealth Channel on TV? Yes. Wealth Channel. They talk about people who have yachts that they bought for four, $20 million and they maintain it with $4 million a year and they don't use it for more than once or twice a year and they have staff there. That's right. They're looking at you and saying, and me, I'm struggling with $200 to pay my electric bill. This guy is $4 million to maintain it. People have, there's money, there's money, there's a lot of money. Your milk pours down. You are almost angry. You want to beat the child up. You waste two gallons. You know how much that meat costs? It's two dollars. Two dollars. Two dollars. And people, people, are, people, are, people are buying new cars. And just, they don't even know where they are. They don't even use them. It's a mentality to change it. Does that mean you should be wasteful? No, no. But you should not, you should not be so much looking at negative things. If you, if you hang out with some rich folks, your, your attitude will change. Yeah. The first thing you do is that you remove all the bones from your car. Because you, if you enter a rich guy's car, it's clean, slick. Slick. He doesn't like things just scattered anywhere. Praise God. Yeah. You go home and polish your shoe because you're like, whoo. <laughs> it, and it changes you. And it looks like it's just the physical. But it starts changing your expectation. Starts changing your mindset. You start believing for more. When you were settled with just having a, a you know uh, a minimum job, you start thinking, I can do more than this. I can get a bigger. I can be. I can be paid more. I, I can. I can. I, I should have more. You begin to expect more, and that's what pressure, you know, inspires you into the next degree of glory. So you have to check what you're looking at. Amen. Amen. That's why you don't spend time looking at negative things or fearful things on television. If you watch too much sin, you get involved in sin. Praise God. I said praise the Lord. It's the the law. It's the law. Let me tell you, one of the reasons why rich folks like expensive things is not just because they are vain. It's because if you keep looking at rich things, it causes you to believe for more wealth. Poor things affect the way you think. Hallelujah! Somebody say, $15 million for a painting. I can buy 5,000 of similar paintings and why will you spend 15 million for one painting? Who looks at it? How many people come to that house that you find 15 million and people are dying in, uh, in <laughs> Somalia? 
what people don't realize is that he spends 15 million to buy the painting, puts it on the wall. Five years later, he sells the painting and sells it for 20 million. And he has made 5 million by buying that painting. You took your 15 million and buy 5,000 paper paintings, and then 10, five years later, you are owing on the money you bought, and you, you, it's valueless. So, who is wiser? The one who bought a rich painting is wiser because he's making money, he's appreciating. Somebody say, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's cheaper to live rich. Yes. It's cheaper to live rich. So, begin to look at better quality. When you go to the store, don't go for the cheapest. Cheap, cheap, cheap. Don't go for the cheapest. <laughs> the adage that you get what you pay for is true many times. It's either you pay for it or somebody paid for it for you. If it's very cheap, maybe it's not the value of what it's supposed to be. Many people who, are, who want to go to the law, they don't go for the cheap lawyers. You say they just get for the cheapest. You end up spending more money because you lose the case and you may be in jail <laughs> and lose all the money you would have made while you were outside. But the guy invests in an expensive one and gets a better quality. So the cheapest is not always the best. I'm not saying you should just, the, 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 the price is what determines the quality. Get your best quality with the amount you want to spend. Hallelujah! Because two people could do the same thing and one can just be overpriced. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about the actual quality of what you are getting for. Your best, getting your best quality. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Because if you keep looking at quality, it challenges you to improve. Yeah. If you live in a dirty area, broken down area, the tendency is that you can't even think creatively. It affects your mind. It affects your mind. So what you keep looking at affects you. So take your eyes from from negative things and look at the positive. If you want to have a good marriage, what do you do? Look at people who have marriages are good. Don't don't hang around with people who say, marriage is very bad. Ah, ah. You, you, trouble, trouble, upon trouble. Ah, Every, everybody has serious problem in marriage. If you hear this kind of force, you just create problems in your marriage. Can you have good marriages? Sweet marriages? When you wake up, you're like, oh, Lord, thank you that I'm married. Somebody say, hallelujah. (laughs) Thank you for my beautiful spouse. Yes, marriage is sweet. You can have a marriage without any quarrels. At all. Praise God. Does that mean you agree upon everything? No. Somebody say, yeah, if you don't have any quarrels, one person is being oppressed. It's not true. You can have love, a mutual love that allows both to walk together out of love. One of the biggest, and I'll say it again, one of the biggest problems in marriages is selfishness. People are so self-centered. What I like, what I want. I have to have it my way. This is what I can't take. This is what I can't take. It's always me, 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 me. You have to realize this is not about just about you. There are two of you, maybe three, with God involved in this marriage. Sometimes you don't do what he likes or what you like. You do what God says. What God likes. Amen. So it doesn't matter whether it's not all the time what you like. Sometimes God says, go and apologize. You say, God, he's, he's the one that's wrong. So you still go and apologize. 
Say, why don't he come and apologize? Say, you go and apologize. Say, God, this is not fair. Say, yeah, but it's right. <laughs> I have those kind of conversations. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yes, you should. Because it's not about just about you. And if you can have that kind of conversation with God, your marriage is not depending on your spouse. The spouse did this, my spouse. No, no. There's God in this marriage. And if you yield to him, he will carry you where to go. Carry you where to go. Praise God. He wake, up, wake you up in the morning. Say, go buy your wife a diamond ring. And surprise her when you travel to Europe. Somebody say, hallelujah. hallelujah. Holy Ghost spoke to me. Amen. Hallelujah. And I did. Amen. And it worked. Praise God. Hallelujah. She was surprised. <laughs> so you can be led of the Holy Ghost Amen. to have a good marriage. Yes. It's not just, oh, what you feel like. One more verse of scripture we're going to read. Let's go to Hebrews by introducing camp meeting now. Amen. Hebrews chapter number 12. So if we're going to change to what we keep looking at, the Bible says, therefore, then we should look at the glory of God. And who is the glory of God? Hebrews chapter number 1 tells us that Christ is the glory of God. Let's look at that first before we go to Hebrews 12. 1 comes before 12, right? Arithmetic students, I say one comes before twelve, right? So let's go. Let's start from one. Verse one, the Bible says, "God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past in unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in this last day spoken unto us by His Son, whom He has appointed heir of all things, and by whom He made the world." Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Somebody say hallelujah. The Bible says again, let's go back again. Verse 2. It says that who being, who, verse 3. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. So Jesus Christ, the Bible says, is the brightness of the glory of God. So if we are going to be changed into the glory of God, who who are we supposed to be looking at? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is the glory of God. Now, I know people say Jesus. not just talking about the name Jesus. He's talking about who he represents, what he did, the way he lived. The the manifestation of God in him. That is the glory of God. It's just Jesus is the full expression of the way God wants the believer to live. So the Bible says we must look at the glory of God to be changed into that image. That's why even your pastors may be good, but your pastor is not your standard. Can you be richer than your pastor? You can, you can. But some pastor won't let it though. Praise God. <laughs> because they have to press on for more glory too. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. hallelujah. No, it's not a matter of competition with others. You compete with yourself. Yes. One of the things we do, myself and my wife, we, we endeavor each year to give more than we gave the previous year. It doesn't matter who anybody gets. Sometimes we have given more than everybody else in the church. But we still determine the next year To give more. We can't say, yeah, we gave more this year. So we are doing good. No, no, no. 
The challenge is not with people. Somebody say hallelujah. The challenge is to change to be more and more like him. And that's what we ought to be pressing to. To become an exact replica of Christ. To be as he is in all things. The same thing is so winning. Even if you won 20 souls last year, she didn't say, well, I'm good. The last next person to me just won 10 souls. What should you believe God for this year? You should believe God for another degree of glory. You have to press on for more. You have to believe for more. And this is, this is, this is, this is not for the spiritually lazy. To just relax and say, well, I've tried. God didn't tell us to try. Tell us to be. Amen. 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 So the Bible says Jesus is the glory of God. So let's look at chapter number 12 of Hebrews. One of the expressions, the meaning of the word glory is also excellence. So if you want to press for glory, you have to be someone with an excellent spirit. You don't just settle for second best. It's good enough. When you can do better than that. That's not, the, that's not someone walking in glory. That's not someone who is getting the best. You have to do your best. No matter what you are doing. If they ask you to sweep, sweep the best. Don't let somebody come and sweep after you and the debt that they swept after you swept is more than the one you swept. They're not a good sweeper. No matter what job that you have, you can shine in it. Yeah, exactly. I mentioned here, uh, growing up in a city in Africa, there's someone who was, who was a, a traffic warden, a, a, a traffic police woman, mm. and a traffic policeman. The guy did his job so much, many people would leave the shortcut to come and pass that street just to gaze at that traffic policeman every day. I sometimes did it myself. He, do, he did it with a style, with dance, yes. with, with, with finesse. He wear white gloves. Yes. Well ironed. Yes. Standing straight. <laughs> and he was, he was like he was enjoying the job. Yes. He was like this was the best job in the world. Yes. Some people would come down and give him some money. That's right. And he wouldn't even bother looking at them. That's right. <laughs> he never took his eyes off his job. You can be a, sweet, a street sweeper and enjoy your job. Yeah. Put music and dance while you are sweeping. Yeah. And you get promoted. Yeah. If you come there and say, this job again, this job again. I swept that place yesterday and there's another leave. Who are putting all the... You will lose the job you already have. <laughs> so it's not just about just, you know, maybe just wearing nice clothes. It starts from changing to becoming excellent. Press for the next level. Do the best where you are and believe God for the next. And the Bible says you go from glory to glory to glory to glory while you are looking at the excellency of Jesus Christ until you become an exact replica of him. That's what God has called us. In short, the kind of things people should be saying to believers in their place of work and say, listen, are you a Christian? The way you treat customers is just excellent. You come to work on time. You have a good attitude. You are so excited. You do better than everybody. That's the way people should see you as a believer and give glory to God. The Bible says, let men see your good works and give glory to God. And there are many kinds. We talked about doing right being excellent in your place of work. There are other ones. Amen. Casting out devils, healing the sick. That's demonstrating the glory of God. 
Jesus did that. People came to him because of how he ministered to the sick. There's a difference between compassion and sympathy. Compassion helps. Sympathy just identifies with. God called us to have compassion. Do something. Amen. That sometimes you need to give somebody money because they need it. That sometimes you need to give somebody a rebuke because that's what they need. I want to hear a louder amen. But you're doing it according to the word of God. And again, Jesus is our example. We're going to spend some more time talking about this during camp meeting. Looking unto Jesus. Don't stop with the quality of your pastor. Amen. Your well, pastor may be good, but that's not what we are supposed to stop at. You know, people say to me, I know, I know a man, I know, I know a believer who did this. It doesn't matter if the, what the person did is not according to the word of God then that shouldn't be your standard. Amen. Hallelujah. Wonderful. I say hallelujah. hallelujah. I say hallelujah. hallelujah. The word of God is our standard. Because Jesus is the word. Just because a lot of people are not walking along the word, along the word of God or walking with the word of God doesn't mean you should not. The word of God is our standard. And if, even if nobody else is doing the word of God, we are supposed to press towards the excellence of God's word. We are supposed to live according to the word of God. Talk according to the word of God. Forgive like God says we should forgive. Give like God says we should give. The Bible says, be ye perfect even as your heavenly father is perfect. And Jesus is our perfect example. And if Jesus could do it, we can. We can. People say, nobody can live without sin. Who said? He said, be ye perfect, even as your father is perfect. He said, Jesus is the glory of God. He said, as we keep looking at Jesus, we are going to change to be like him. And if Jesus could live without sin, we can, we can operate in that same glory. We can live without sin. Not even in our thoughts. Hey! I say, hey! We can, we can overcome Satan. The Bible says, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And one of the first things to do is to look at Jesus and know that as he is, so are you. When you are looking at the mirror, you're looking at yourself. If you look at the mirror and you are seeing Jumbo and your name is Peter, there's something wrong with that mirror. That's a demon-possessed mirror. You need to break it. The mirror is supposed to show you who you are. And the Bible says that the, the word of God is a mirror. Jesus came to show us who we are. People say, yeah, Jesus walked on water. It's, it's just the Son of God. No, no. He came to demonstrate for us who we are. So if you are looking at Jesus, you should be seeing yourself doing the same things. Because as he is, so are we in this world. If they could nail Jesus on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You can do the same thing. You can forgive what manner of sickness and disease or, or affliction or any kind of offense. Now, people say you can forgive and you can't forget. If, if Jesus can forget, you can forget. Yes. You can forgive and forget. What God has shown us in Christ Jesus is that we can live as sons of God. Amen. Bible says he laid aside all his glory and his honor and took upon himself the nature of a man. So he actually took upon the same nature that we have. He was subject to like passion, the same kind of weakness. And the Bible says he was 
Tempted in all things like we are. So he was tempted to lie. He was tempted to compromise. He was tempted to give up. He was tempted to complain. He was tempted to fornicate. He was tempted in every way. But he never fell in. Why? Because he had the Holy Spirit. And he demonstrated the glory of God. And the Bible says we can do the same. We can do the same in this New Testament. And we must press for that glory. We must press for it. And every area of our life, our finances, our health, our, our, our relationships should demonstrate the glory of God. Amen. Amen. We should not be so rich and then mean and proud. That's not the glory of God. Right? Some people get close to some people think, oh, they are rich. And then they discover that they are mean. And then they run away. So they are not attracting people to God. So even if you are rich, you should still be humble. Amen. People should be, you should be approachable. Right? right? That's the glory of God. You come down from a, a Rolls Royce and you can see distribute tracts. You want to buy gas? You said, look, you need to be born again. Not like, hey, put, it, put the gas there. <laughs> no. <laughs> you should be humble even if, no matter how much God blesses you. That's the glory of God. Amen. amen. You should treat your wife and your children nice. Say a bigger amen. amen. That's the glory of God. Amen. Yeah. Help them out when they need help. Amen. Listen to them. Play with them. Amen. Carry them on your bike and ride them. Praise God. <laughs> no matter how anointed you are, you have to be able to balance it. The glory of God. The Bible said God, even though he was so supreme, took upon himself the nature of a man and identified with man. Not with the sin and the wickedness, but out of love so that man can identify with him. So there's a lot to look at the life of Jesus. One thing I want to encourage us to do as we enter into this season where we are talking about looking unto Jesus, begin to read the Gospels again. Hallelujah! You know, sometimes we think we know him. But Paul said, he said in Philippians, he said, this is one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. I press on for those things which are before, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, so that I can attain unto him. We want to know him more, more. There's so much about Jesus. There's so much. There's so much. And even the verses we have read over and over again, go back. Everything Paul taught is a revelation or an expansion of what Jesus taught. So anybody who is telling you that Jesus taught in the Old Testament is not true. Jesus began the New Testament. His teachings are, are the teachings of the New Testament. In short, Paul's messages are based on what Jesus taught. He taught everything about grace. Somebody say hallelujah. He taught it, just people couldn't receive it at that time. He couldn't explain it to them. Somebody said, well, Jesus didn't speak in tongues. Yes, he did. He spoke in tongues. It's in scriptures. Go read it. The Bible says when he was about, about raising Lazarus from the dead, he said he groaned in the spirit. What does that mean? The Bible says when you're growing in the spirit, he, he, he steadied. Then he said, Lazarus, come forth. Jesus operated in the mystery. He was filled with the Holy Ghost. He taught by revelation. 
Praise God. So go back and read the Gospels and read it with the light of the New Testament. Read it like someone looking at a mirror and see yourself doing the same things that Jesus did. As he is, so are we in this world. And it's time to arise and shine. Your light is come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Let's bow our heads to pray. Father, we just thank you this morning. We thank you for revelation knowledge. We thank you for your word. It's coming forth and bringing forth life to the hearers. We pray for all those who are here this morning, those who are watching online, that the eyes of our understanding is open. That we press on beyond, beyond, beyond the system of this world. That we are not dragged into the politics or dragged into the, the natural things and dragged into the, the, the fear that the world is experiencing, but that we take our eyes from all of these things and fix it onto Jesus. Lord, when you came, you were different. People asked, what manner of man is this? They couldn't understand how you walked in the Spirit. Lord, we pray that also that you would cause your people to begin to walk in the Spirit. That their eyes will be focused on you. In the name of Jesus. I come against every man of sickness and disease. Satan, take your hands off in the name of Jesus. I say pain be gone. Fear be gone. Be gone. Let the faith of God arise. In the name of Jesus. Yes, we are not led by the system of this world. We are not subject to the decrees of this world. We are prayed from another kingdom. Let faith arise. Let the light of God, the type that shines in heaven, begin to shine in everyone's heart. That our, our eyes are on you. You are our light. So we'll never have darkness. We'll never have darkness. We'll never have a bad day. We'll never have a downturn because you never change. Your word never changes. Thank you, Heavenly Father. And I pray for everyone who is watching, who is not born again. I ask that the eyes of their understanding be opened, that they will receive the gospel and be saved. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Praise the Lord. If you are watching and you have not given your life to Christ, the Bible tells us that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, he said you shall be saved. So if you are watching, all you need to do is just say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart as my Lord and Savior. I receive you today. I believe I'm born again. And so I'm saved in Jesus' name. If you made, if you made that prayer, I'd like to encourage you to know that the Word of God says that you're born again and that Jesus is now Lord of your life. And that if you would believe that and stay in that faith, your name is written in the book of life. And so you're going to make it to heaven. Uh, but find a church, find a good church like this, close to you and and be a part, and be a member, be a regular member. Study your Bible every day, pray every day. These are things that God has put together so that we can grow up to become exactly like him in every way, in Jesus' name. And writers, we'd like to know about you. We'd like to send you materials also to help you be born again, and to stay born again, or to keep your faith. Amen. And everyone say, Amen. We trust that you are blessed by the message. To listen and hear more, Catch us at 11.30 on Sunday mornings on YouTube or Facebook at Love Foundation Christian Center. If you have any additional questions or just want to learn more about the church, feel free to contact us at lovefoundcc at gmail.com or visit our website at lovefoundationusa.org. Thanks for listening.